0: Welcome to the Bro CR Supercast. Yeah. Basically, a super cool podcast. See what we did there? <laughs> we discuss all things obstacle course racing, culture, and community that embodies it, from performing athletes flashy new gear and secret guacamole recipes yummy we've got you covered bro do you have questions we want to find answers want to talk about running in the mud and your next big adventure cool so do we now let's lace up those trail kicks and jump in the corral the supercast the supercast starts now
1: And we have made it. We have made it to 18 episodes of the Supercast. How's everybody we, doing today?
2: We are so close to all four limbs, it's not even funny.
1: <laughs> it's amazing. It's just a great time here. Um, yeah, we've got a really <laughs> special episode on this week. Um, we do. We've, we're bringing on Hubie Krushman from the Indian Mud Run. But before we get into that real quick, um want to take a big quick second here to talk about our sponsor, Benga CBD. Leah, yep. hit him with the uh, line.
2: Uh, All As always, our podcast is brought to you by Zanga CBD. They are supporting us, and we would love you to support them. Um, they actually just dropped a brand-new product, uh, came out today, um, another version of their Recovery Balm. Same mm-hmm. awesome um, uh, blend, same strength, just in a smaller um, smaller tin. So, if you don't need quite as much, um, if you're looking for a smaller travel size, check them out. Uh, if you want to try it out for the first com. time,
1: it's a great product.
2: Yep. Banguscbd.com <laughs> slash broCR with discount code broCR to save 15% off. I am currently sore as hell from the stadium race this past weekend. that had no less than 11 billion steps Um, so I have been lathering myself in the CBD balm. So highly recommend it. Check them out for both balm and soft gels.
1: Great products guys. Um, so anyway, real quick, uh, we'll talk on your, your, your race real quick. Really good race down there at, in Dallas.
2: Yep. It was stop number three on the stadium series. Um, what is making it actually pretty cool is it's stop number three and we don't have number four until like five more months. So this was oh, wow. the last one going into a big hiatus, um, and people came ready to go. Uh, this course was the longest one so far of the series. We were just over four miles. Wow. Um, and uh, it is my first time at Dallas Stadium. And let me tell you, that freaking place is ginormous. We went from base to top, like, I think four times. Um, There was no real open areas to run, but there were so many more stairs than anything else. Um, For the elite wave, for the men, we had Isaiah coming in as the series leader um, and had just won the week prior in Arizona, but he actually finished in fifth place this time.
1: Yeah. Um, Bit of an upset there with Kent taking over with Killian and Bracken. Yep.
2: Kent, Killian, Bracken were numbers one, two, and three. Um and they battled for the entire race back and forth. The lead changed, I don't know how many times. Um, it all came down to the end. Um, the final final gauntlet of obstacles for the women. Um, it was Corinna pulling out a pretty substantial win. I think it was like two minute lead over okay. Orla Walsh. Um And like I said, it all came down to this gauntlet, the last 100 yards of the race. We raced across the actual stadium, um, the field, and it went from rope climb to box jumps to the new Spartan Ram obstacle to the rig, to the gauntlet, to the finish line. Um, And that's where the lead changed for the men at that final Ram obstacle.
1: It looked intense. It reminds me of these. um, There were these tubes I used before called Vibers, a hollow tube with basically you could do burpees and stuff with it. Really neat.
2: Yeah. And that's basically what the RAM is. Um, For men, it's 55 pounds. For women, it's 33. Um, And it's not fun. It sucks. It sucks, especially when you're running into it with an already elevated heart rate. I love to lift. I love heavy exercises, but let me tell you, I struggled. It, it was tough. Um, so we had that, and we also had a new obstacle that debuted at the race, the balance beam. And yes. so I was excited about hearing about a balance beam, and I pictured in my mind just your typical balance beam. But in fact, what it was was a three-foot wall um, turned perpendicular. So rather than running at it, you know, like a normal wall, you came at it sideways and there was a two by four, you know, incline going up to it and the two by four decline coming off the back of it. So you had to run up it. Your foot had to touch the final, um, the final beam. It just had to make contact and then you were free so okay. um, so you can launch
1: off that pretty quick
2: right so but it being three foot in the air it kind of you know added a little extra spice to it I loved it you were not allowed to use your hands and a lot of people got you know sent to the burpee pit
1: awesome so. well let's talk about innovation here on obstacles because over the weekend if you guys were watching me I went to one heck of a rodeo and we've got Hubie Cushman here from the Indian Run. Hubie how you doing today I'm doing great. Right. Good. <laughs> Good.
2: Good. So, so if you, if, go ahead.
1: I'll, I'll give a quick intro here. So, Hubie's been running the Indian Mud Run now for eight years in, in a little town called Conshocton, Ohio, and he has grown this race now to what I would say is probably one of the best introduction races to mandatory obstacle completion and things to prep you for the OCRWC and, and the North American Championship here. Um, for OCR, great race takes, um, he gets permission to use obstacles from across the world. He's got like the nuclear ninja rings, lots of great stuff there. Um, and we're just excited to have him on the show.
2: Yeah. (laughs) So welcome. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us, Hubie.
3: Oh, I'm excited to be here talking with you about obstacle racing.
2: Uh, Anytime uh, we
1: can talk about OCR, it's a good day. Um, Yeah.
2: yeah. Can you give (laughs) us a little bit of a background, Hubie? Like how did you get into obstacle course racing?
3: Well, the funny thing is, it was, it was both my daughters that got me into it. Um, they, you know, I was doing some triathlons and marathons back in 2010-11, and um, they said, hey, we want to go do a Warrior Dash. Why don't you come do it with me? And, you know, I didn't know much about it, and I thought, yeah, it sounds like fun. And that first Warrior Dash, I was completely hooked. I mean, that was pretty <laughs> So, I loved it, and I I knew I had to do more.
2: Okay, so then how did it go from doing your first run to deciding, hey, I'm going to make my own race?
3: Well, it's <laughs> that's the funny part. My first run was a Warrior Dash in 2011. My second run was any Mud Run that I produced. And, wow! Um, oh. The the funny thing is that uh, over the winter after that 2011 uh, Warrior Dash, our local parks had a levy failure and uh, my daughters and I were sitting around Thanksgiving dinner thinking, you know, let's do a five K to help raise money for the park. And they, they needed, uh, they wanted some money to, to help uh, promote the levy coming up. Mm-hmm. And uh, after talking about that, everybody does five K's. We decided, you know, that warrior dash is a lot of fun. Let's do an obstacle race. And, um, So this very um, second race I ever
1: did was one we produced. That is insane.
2: Okay. (laughs) How did that, like, how did you start? Because, I mean, I think, you know, most people have done warrior dashes. And, I mean, no hate on warrior dash. But that's not exactly, like, the, the, the cream of the crop when it comes to OCRs. How did you decide, like, where did you get your ideas for obstacles? What was that planning process like?
3: Well, for one thing, I knew that I wanted something a little tougher than Warrior Dash.
1: That's my boy.
3: (laughs) As we got out on the course, we've got just a wonderful park and a lot of land to use. And when we approached them about it, they were all, all for us trying it. And luckily, the local foundation is throwing some money. And as we got out hiking around all the land that was available to us, we realized, man, this is some neat stuff. You know, rock cliffs we can climb over. And a lot of things where we didn't really have to build, we just maybe made some new trails going to these rock cliffs and ravines that we used in our first few races and um, still use today.
1: You know, if the, the course itself is a really really unique um setup. So he's but now tell me some okay the background on the golf course. When did you guys when were you able to go to this golf course and start putting things up there?
3: Well the first few years we had to go around the golf course because it was mm-hmm. the golf course was still operational. And um you know Kashok has been hit hard with loss of um uh, um industry and things like that. So mm-hmm. Eventually, the golf course wasn't profitable and they shut down. And that's when we approached the park about moving the race up onto the course instead of just going using the woods that were around the edges of it. And um, that first year, we probably bit off more than we should have and, <laughs> and had some issues with. We moved trails around and people were used to the old trails. And, you know, we had some issues with not marking our trails the way we should have. We, we, we took on jet that first year, but we fixed that. And, um, and now that we've got the golf course, this is our third year up there. We're real comfortable with it. And I think it finally came together this year, and I think we nailed
1: it. Well, this year was incredible. So to give you guys kind of an idea of the course itself, it starts up here on this hill that's on t- this golf course, up on top of this hill. And I'd probably say it's, what, 200 foot up there, Hubie, probably? Yeah, it's up there. It's up there. Anytime Hubie wants to give you an elevation change, he just throws you off the side of the hill and then you crawl back. (laughs) Um,
2: It sounds like this was pretty much like an amazing blank canvas of awesomeness from what you guys are describing with, with this land. I think that that's one of the biggest struggles for race directors out mm -hmm. there trying to develop races. And it sounds like you're sitting on this gold mine and you pretty Absolutely. much had carte blanche to do whatever you wanted. So, I mean, that sounds like, like a race director's dream.
3: It is. And the, the great thing is, is that we've got a huge airport with a mm-hmm. vast land beside us. I could do an a obstacle course marathon if I wanted to. I've got that much available land. And um, I guess anybody can put obstacles together, build walls, things like that. Mm-hmm. There's only certain venues that that really have all these different things that we have. And there's very few out there. And I think we're very, very fortunate. And quite actually, I'm surprised no other races, big races have come to us about doing an obstacle race there because we've got such a a beautiful, beautiful venue. And if you look at our reviews, that's the one thing people consistently mention is the terrain. And you can't build that you either have it or you don't
1: it's something something out of this world it's wild because you've got you'll you'll be running and all of a sudden you'll get to something a rig that's you know forty foot long or like monkey bars that are forty foot long and all of a sudden you're going down like this super steep ravine trail hacking and then all of a sudden you've got a portion that you've got a half mile run now right back back out in the field. And it is just incredible what you've done with this venue. Just phenomenal, well-marked. The grass also has grown up a little bit now, so you can see exactly where you're going, where you're cutting through, and it's just very, very evident where you're headed now. Um, So talking about obstacle innovation, though, Hubie, you you had a great showing this weekend. Um, You brought out the Force 5 Gibbons. Um, I guess you added it since I'd been there before, but you added the nuclear ninja rings, um and i believe skull valley was longer than the last time i did it
3: yes yeah, um, longer we've got more lanes but not only did i make it longer i also built in a couple spots where you could rest and shake your arms out because that late in the race people are losing their grip and i and i i don't want any of my obstacles to be a major fail or major uh, band cutter and um so what's your that. goal? Then,
2: what's your goal for completion? I know that that's a hot topic with race directors. I mean, you just said that you don't want any one of your obstacles to to wipe out the field. But do you have a target like a successful race to you means what percentage of racers keep their bands?
3: You know, I, I never really looked at it that way. And, and I'm excited here in the next few days. We're going to sit down and look at what the um, fail rate was on the different obstacles we too. we tried to keep a pretty good track of that. And um, you know, I, I, I think I wanna make it hard enough that, that yeah, you may fail it, but if you stick at it or take a little bit of a rest, you'll get through it. Um, I don't want one obstacle to kill everybody, but I want the, the accumulation of all the obstacles to make it difficult to go at a fast pace. Um, it, it's obstacle racing. You know, and I want bottom line is the winners to be great obstacle people.
1: You know, I think that's really fair. Um, and I think the obstacles, the, the thing I will say about this where you have retry lanes, you've got enough in case there's a bottleneck. There were eight lines for the Gibbons, there people could go into. That's the point race your size. There were 12, way off.
3: We had 12 lanes on the Gibbons.
1: And that is absolutely perfect or something like that, we're going to see a higher fail rate with mandatory obstacle completion. Um, that's well thought out. It's well designed. The, how many lanes for the, for the nuclear rings did you have? Probably 12 there again.
3: Well, actually, we've got uh, 10. And originally, uh, Nuclear Ninja told us we use only one side. Yep. So we had 10 that had two sides on it, technically 20 lanes. Golly. But then in the championships, they changed it up and allowed people to use both sides. Okay.
2: Well, and so you mentioned world Championship. So I think that for those people who are not in the Midwest or who don't have access to, you know, Ohio as, as easily as, you know, some of the locals do, you know, for those of you who are still sitting here wondering, you know, who we're talking to and what we're talking about, Hubie is the creator of the Floating Walls, which we have all now seen for the past several years at some of these world championship events, um, so talk about your relationship with the world championship company with adventury, because I think that that's where we've seen your success and your notoriety really, you know, burst onto the scene.
3: Well, uh, see what is it been three years ago, four years ago, when yep. they were in Cincinnati, uh, I got to know some of the people down there being in Ohio, they were looking for locals to help set up the, that uh, first world championship. Actually, it was the second one where I got involved.
1: Okay. And
3: so I was down there and I got to meet people like Garfield and and I helped help with the setup of the course. And the one thing I was working on was Dragon's Back and, um, mm-hmm. and getting to know some of the people from Toughest and I was able to uh, get permission to use the Dragon's Back in my race. But as I met different people, um, so so many great people down there working with them. Um, you know, it, it just grew from there, and I, I seem like I've been just about to every one of them helping. And as I started developing obstacles, you know, I, I approached Adrian when I first did my floating walls, and um, wanted to see about maybe bringing it up as a demo obstacle. And he said, "No, you can bring it up. We're going to put it in the race." <laughs> That's right. First year. I knew that was after after the year that it was so cold. And I knew they didn't, in Canada, in October, it could be very cold. He didn't want it over water. Mm-hmm. So that's when I went with the rig and the netting. And um, that first year we got to Canada and, and it, they didn't think it was safe enough because it was too close to the edge. They were probably right, It's a good thing. And then the, the year after that is when I bought the aluminum rig, and use the netting so I could go two stories high
2: And that was amazing. I mean I was at both of those races and I remember when it was altered the first year and it was lower and everyone was like, "Oh, no big deal. And then when you do it, you're like, okay, this is a little bit you know harder than you think. And then the next year we come back and it's you know floating up 20 feet in the or you know all the way up in the air and then it definitely became a game changer at that point.
1: I think one of my favorite things about this year's race, Hubie, that you did, that you changed up, was you had the floating walls on the ground, but then you climbed up to that second story, and you had gymnast rings, and that that was amazing because that changed the game. Not only – you can look around then suddenly. Your face isn't buried in a wall, and it it adds an entire level of fear that you're like, I've just climbed all the way up there, and here's the finish line.
2: (laughs) Yeah, especially for people who are (laughs) battling fears of heights, you know that becomes a very real variable.
1: Exactly. It gives you so much time there to see everybody around you and notice what's going on. You're like, oh, crap, I got to get this right now.
3: <laughs> I actually was going to put uh, Indian Valley or Skull Valley type rig across the top. <laughs>
2: oh, my goodness.
3: The way I had it set up, it was, it was kind of tough. And it was funny because I put out a question to people, what's the easiest traverse? And everybody thought I was, uh, you know, trying to find out, so that I didn't put that in. But I was—I didn't want people to fail. And I thought the rings were nice. I did—I uh, did put a pipe there if somebody wanted to cross that way. And maybe next year I'll add some uh, monkey bars or something. But That's fair. Yeah, without the walls there, it does seem like you're a little bit higher. Mhm.
1: Mm-hmm. So there's so many things to unpack about your race there it, it's I mean, from the slides to the to the rope traverses across the creeks to the um oh gosh nuclear ninja rings and the gibbons and just just great stuff there
2: for, uh, for those that
3: weren't we said, there this is a, true... it's, uh,
1: Sorry.
3: It was a lot of fun this year that was new which one was that the floating cargo net
1: yeah the floating cargo net um that was that was so if Once again, if you guys go check out Bro CR, we throw up a video today. But you do – there's two slides in this race, and you slide out to the middle of the pond. You've got a slip wall in the middle of the pond, and then you've got a cargo net floating in the middle of the water that you put out there, Hubie. So 55-gallon drums, and you're pumping them full of air and, like, hanging stuff out there. What's your thought process on this?
3: (laughs) Mm -hmm. I don't know. It seems like – I don't know how I got down that path, but I have a lot of what you would call floating obstacles. Yeah. And we've got a lot of water. We've got – Another reason I can't believe other venues, other races haven't tried to use this venue. We've got a mile-long canal, a huge lake, and three ponds on our property that we can use. So I try to take full use, you know, advantage of what we have and use them.
1: You know, I, I can only imagine what would happen if, like, Savage Race came to that property and they threw oh up goodness. something. It would be, well, would
3: be- a beautiful venue in Ohio, but if they ever get tired of that, I'd love to see them here. <laughs>
1: that is there's a one, not bad, bad very rippers. many
2: races that are out there that truly i feel like use water to the mm-hmm. to the extent and 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 to what it could be used for you know we see a lot of races yeah you, know, you jump into the pit of water or cross this little mm-hmm. channel but there's i mean i can't think of any other races right now off the top of my head that have a straight up obstacle within water can you jacob
1: you know, I heard it one one year at was it Tahoe? I think they were putting they were considering putting the rope climb in the pond up there. And if you were familiar with Tahoe, the swim up there is way colder than what hubie t- has got here. Well, Spartan
2: um, used to have as 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 a pretty staple. They would have rope climb out of the water.
1: Yeah. Um. But that's that's gone now. And the but other than shorter. that,
2: I can't think of anybody else that will have. You know, a straight up obstacle within the water. World's toughest Mudder like has done. You know, they 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 have like a wall out of the water. Um, I forget what they call it.
1: Twin Peaks uh, this year was over water for them.
2: But that's over water. There's obstacles that are like over water, but okay, I, nothing I can't in think the of water. Something that you swim out, you do something, and you swim out of.
1: Yeah, I I, like, I can't either.
2: I can't this... either. So I mean, that definitely adds a variable. What does that do for you, Hubie, as far as? planning and water safety and lifeguards and i'm sure that that makes an extra you
3: know well, luckily because we park um we you know we've got a swimming pool and stuff on the other side and they've got a lot of lifeguards they employ so oh, wow. race, day, race day they supply all the lifeguards and in my mind if i'm going to fall off an obstacle like we have a floating weaver if i'm going to fall off an obstacle i'd rather fall in water then fall on land. Oh, and sure. Almost yep. all, almost every pond or or the canal, everything we use, for the most part, is only four or five feet deep. Now we do have at the bottom of our, 165 foot water slide. It's it's deeper than that. And there's a couple of places after the floating carbon cargo net where it's a little bit deeper than that. And but we do have lifeguards and we have um, dive rescue teams on site. All awesome.
1: You know. You- you're doing it right. You're taking care of the people. You're making sure safety is a, a factor here. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was talking to you uh, in the video here this week um, about new obstacles, and you you added 12 new obstacles this year, is what you said.
3: Yes, yeah. Went from 55 to 72. Golly, good. three of them were mud pits, and oh, you know, few walls like that third steep hill we have. I added a lot of hurdles. Okay. Uh, hell, hell, but you know, I, I just I want to keep people climbing as they're over things as they're going up, and and I think the accumulation of all the different things you climb over and the elevation and the obstacles it wears on people. And and as I'm sitting here in, in this office looking, I've got a huge box full of um, authentic American-made Indian arrows that were purchased. For every person that uh, signed up for our three lap challenge, mm-hmm. and I won't have to buy arrows next year. I I won't have to at all.
2: <laughs> well, now that you bring that up, that was obviously one of my topics for you because everybody here knows my love of some good swag. Let's talk about <laughs> what you guys have going on there. What 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 kinds of swag do you, do y'all you have for for winners?
3: Well, as I was talking, that the uh, authentic American-made Indian arrows are for people that do three of our laps on the 6.6-mile course. And um, the first lap has to be done during the competitive or pro, so most people run that first lap quite fast. Even if they're just in it with the arrow, you get caught up in, in people racing, and, and most people do that first lap lap very fast, realize Two more laps is going to be, it's going to hurt you.
1: And it's going to wear on you. <laughs> a lot of people don't finish the three lap. And All right,
2: so if they do three laps, they get an arrow. And how, yep. many, how many arrows did you give out this weekend?
3: You know, I don't know how many total we gave out, but I know I've got a huge box full of
2: <laughs> arrows that
3: people didn't earn.
2: All so, right. So what about I'm, the people that I'm do set. one lap? Yeah. What are the prizes for those okay,
3: people? For the competitive, for one lap, uh, the top um, five in pro get awards. The top three get an authentic American-made, um, Indian-made spear. And these things are, are just beautiful. And, They're cool. Uh, I, that's something, Indian Mud Run was, the name came about because of the rich Indian history. We were once the capital of the Delaware Indian tribe. And there's just a lot of Indian artifacts that have been found in that area where we race. As a matter of fact, this year, while we were out clearing trail, we found an arrowhead. Oh, and wow. It was, awesome. cool. um, it was broken, but we found an arrowhead. Then, and that was the first for us. So the, the top three pros get get an American-made arrow, or spear. And then fourth and fifth, get an American-made tomahawk. Now, on our age group, every five years, and we get ten men and ten women age groups. The top three places get um, an authentic American Indian-made tomahawk. They're made in New Mexico from the Navajo tribe, and um, they're all signed by the um, the person that made it. And um, we're pretty proud of those. Uh, you know, made in America, and that that's really big for me. And um, it, it celebrates our Indian heritage in this area and it's great for the park. It's great for everybody.
1: You know, it's it's just so cool when you see things like that being done. Like and the the, the Mud Ninja, cool. You know, I've got a Mud Ninja sword here too. Um, you see other things like this, but to understand that there's culture behind it, that just makes it personal. And that's just really, really cool.
2: Yeah, it's not Especially just something the thing. name of the Indian that, that made it
3: an American. Native Indian made the, this, signed it with his name, and uh, we're, we're pretty proud of this. That's, it.
1: That's, it's absolutely that's, something that's to be awesome. proud of.
2: And you uh, know, another, that's something that is, is earned that, you know, nobody else has, you know. Nobody else is going to have that same spear or that same arrow. You know, I think that that adds a really cool element to your guys' race.
3: Yeah, and they're a little bit different, each of them. And you know, they're bound in leather and they've got a replica arrowhead on it. They're, they're really neat. And then, if you, if you don't win a, a tomahawk for being top three in your age group, if you're top 15 in your age group, you earn your name on the back of our next year's t shirt. And I don't know of any other race that does that. So, if you can that is really cool, and you're a top in your age group, you're on our shirt. That's pretty cool.
1: I always wondered how that you did the shirts, but now, now I know. And that's, that is really cool to see all the names on the back of the shirt from the previous year. Yeah, um, we're going to oh. have
3: some names in the pro division this year. We had some great races this year.
2: Yeah, it some. sounds like you guys had a really good turnout. How many racers did you, about, uh, did you have you know, this I don't weekend?
3: I exact final numbers. I know for some reason we had a very high amount of deferrals for injuries. Mm. Uh, but uh, we're, we're between nine... Mid nine hundreds and a thousand.
1: It's a solid. We had a ton of kids though this year.
3: A ton of kids. It seemed like there was a lot of people up there. Um, I, I think we're. I think next year is the year that we really take off because this year was such a great race, and we're not going to add a lot next year. We've got one or two major mm-hmm. things, but I just want to make take everything that we have and make
2: it better.
1: You know,
3: do we have a and, date
2: for next year's race yet? Yeah, we're always
3: a Saturday after Father's Day, which I believe is June 27th next
1: year. All right, here, so you hear it, guys. June 27th next year, we believe. I'll be out there again. I'm ready for it. I'm I'm ready for quite another rumble at this thing. Um, so okay, we got 72 obstacles this year. You were talking to me about wanting to do about 75. What kind of things could we expect to see? Um, you mentioned to me a low rig possibly.
3: Yeah. That, that's my main thing next year is i want to do i've got some really good ideas for low rig where you go into a couple other twists
2: i love yeah. me a good low rig <laughs> yeah, i'm working on it
3: but hey
2: anybody out there
3: has an idea send it to me because i that's one thing i i really try to do i try to listen to the racers find out what they want and incorporate it in some of these obstacles like uh, that floating, uh Floating slip wall, Sandy. Uh, um, I, I call it Sandy's wall, and um, Walter's wall. But he, but he came up with that idea and, and sent it to me, and and now, now we have Walter's wall. But give me some ideas, and um, I'll try to incorporate it in our race.
2: Well, I can tell you this race has been on my radar for years, and it has always kind of fallen on something else that I've already previously committed to. But well, Leah, uh, next
1: year, it's time to knock that off. Because I, that's, this, well, you I need told to come you that last
2: week. I told you that last week before this one even happened. I had said, you know, I'm sick of missing it. It's been something I've wanted to do. And now seeing all these videos and all these pictures and all these stories of the people who were there this weekend, like the FOMO was real. Like I have definitely have this one on my list for next year and plan on coming out there. So I'm you know, excited. I think it's going to be good.
1: Hubie's got on the back of one, one of his shirts there just as the bucket list race. And I cannot, I cannot say how much that is absolutely true to this race. This is the race you should go to. or If you want to experience something that is just humbling and awesome, it, it's that. It's the community. It's this whole thing that is just blown up. And it's, it's so exciting to see thrive. Now, let's uh, specify,
2: too, this is a true mandatory obstacle completion, meaning absolutely. no penalty loops, no burpees, no none of that nonsense. In order to finish, you have to complete the obstacle, right?
1: But, yes. but, 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 you do have, you do have a, a great way to keep it alive, though, for people that might miss an obstacle.
2: Oh, uh, what do you mean?
1: So, okay, so the way the podium works, I love how you do this, Yubi. So let's say... Let's say you've got um, first, second, and third up there. Now, Mm -hmm. first place has 100% obstacle completion, but it took him two hours. Mm -hmm. He takes first place. Second place missed one obstacle but got everything else and came in at like 155. Mm -hmm. He takes second place, even though he crossed the line before the other guy, but the other guy got obstacle completion.
2: Good. I like that.
1: Yes.
3: You could be the slowest person on the course in your age group, But if you get 100% obstacle completion and Um, everybody else failed one, you're the winner.
2: That is so important. I was actually just having a conversation with somebody this past weekend. I can't remember who I was talking to, but this is the exact thing we were talking about because, you know, I personally have been to many races, and I think a lot of our listeners can relate, that um, they've gone to a race And they get stuck at a particular obstacle and they stay and they bust their butt and they finally get it only to find out at the end that there was somebody else who failed the first obstacle and basically gave up. And at that point, just sprinted through the rest of the race, skipping up, you know, going through other obstacles and taking penalties and not trying. And then they somehow get ahead of the person that only failed one. So that is awesome that you guys do it the right way.
3: Yeah, that, that is so wrong, in my opinion, because, as you said, they gave up. Why exactly. Why are we rewarding people that give up and just run? You know, we, we got to uh, reward the people that stick with it, try their darndest to complete it. And those are the people that, in my eyes, are the real winners of the race.
2: You know, oh, that I, is awesome. That just I kind of it, took absolutely. things up a couple notches for me, and I think a lot of people listening, because, you know, that's, that is a huge – huge thing when it comes to mandatory obstacle completion because you know and yes in the perfect world it's you know everybody finishes everything and it's ranked that way but when it's not and you don't have people that kept you know if you don't have three people that kept their band those who did the most i think should be rewarded for it
1: yes
3: we we allow up to five obstacle fails and you can still podium. them
1: and that nice. at, at your race, that is absolutely fair. And that is, I, I cannot, it keeps the podium alive and keeps at a smaller race like this. People just like, all right, I got to double down. and figure this out right now. <laughs> then it
3: becomes a thing where you've got to decide whether, you know, do I sit here and, and I've got a four and a half hour cutoff. Do I try to get the obstacles? You know, do I give up on this one and, and try to make it with just one fail? because we've we've had people this year that that won first place in their age group with multiple fails.
2: Right.
3: That is It's it's all
2: strategy. It adds a whole nother level to it. I like it.
1: Awesome. Well, I think that's about wrapping us up on time here this week. Hubie, once again, it was an honor to have you on the cast this week.
2: So, for our listeners, Hubie, and you know, you're saying get in touch with you. How do people get in touch with you? What is your contact, your social media, all that good stuff?
3: Yeah, you can find me, of course, if you're on Indian Mud Run, um, Facebook page. Uh, if you message us, I'm usually one of the two or three people that answer. Um, my daughter, Alyssa, or our events coordinator, Amy Taylor, and I can't say enough about what Amy did this year to help um with the the festival area. I think our festival area really blossomed this year as it compared to years past and Amy does so much which when Amy and Alyssa do all these other little things that gives me more time out on the course to to work on the obstacles and um there's so many people behind this race that do so much I do have a great video that I want to share on our Facebook page this week of our first responders before the race talking about how they're going to cover everything. And And people don't realize how much this community gets behind this race and, and supports it. I mean, like uh, the mayors out there and um, all our first responders and stuff. And I'm really proud of that.
1: It's a good thing. So check them out, guys. Indian Mud Run, Indian Mud Run Official on Instagram. Um, and that's it for this week. Um, thanks to all of our listeners. Uh, mm-hmm. um, if you guys want to give us a, a review there on yeah. on whatever platform on Apple. And once again, check out Indian Mud Run, guys. Uh, Leah, you want to finish this week up with anything?
2: No, just remind everybody, hit that subscribe button, leave us a review. That's you know how we are able to keep bringing this awesome stuff to you um you know let us know who you want to hear from and we'll bring them to you as always you can follow us on uh brosier media follow me at ocr leah and jacob at brosecker and you know keep it going have a great tuesday everybody
1: until next week take care guys we'll see you on the course
0: this has been the bro cr supercast powered by bro cr media we always love reviews oh and shout outs too want to be on the review drop us a line we know there are other obstacle course racing podcasts out there but you choose to laugh with us for a while so thanks Thank you. No, thank you. Thank you. No, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. And thank you. Okay, thank you. Bye bye. God bless. Bye bye. And bye bye. Bye bye. And bye. Bye bye. Bye everyone. And buh-bye. bye. Bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye.